Thanks for joining me, everyone. A, uh, a special Independence Day edition of OTP. What makes it special? I'm not really sure. Uh, I'm Mike Martinego. Hi. How you doing? You, you doing okay? You hanging in there? This is another tough result, everyone, down in uh, beautiful Carson, California. Um where the Caps fell to the Galaxy by a score of 2-0. Plenty to talk about. This special Independence Day edition of OTP. Um, well, it's, it's, again, not entirely special. Almost like a post-game show, really. Uh, very much later post-game show, as uh, you, you're very likely listening to it on Tuesday. And, and you just can't. Stop listening. You gotta take it all in. It's it's fantastic, isn't it? Um, as mentioned, plenty of things to uh, discuss, to cover. Um, there's some decisions to dissect, I think, when it comes to the Caps and and what happened here against the LA Galaxy. Um, again, primarily all White Caps FC all the time. I'll slide in some Euro. Uh, towards the end of the program. Maybe it'll just be about four or five minutes of me crying after Italy fell in penalties to Germany. I won't do that, but thank you for your concern, all of you on Twitter, at Mike Martinego. <laughs> Shameless plug. Um, of course, you know where the program is. It's on soundcloud.com slash off the pitch, and uh, you can find me on theprovince.com as well. We, we had a little bit of a stumble there, uh, and, but th- fine, gorgeous upgrades at theprovince.com, including OTP. So uh, be on the lookout for that. So, hmm, you know, it, it just seemed like it was going to go oh so well for the Caps when when the Galaxy's mascot Cosmo came in via parachute, didn't it? I mean, that that was just gorgeous. They they really do July Fourth up in style um, right across the United States, actually. I recall, I, I want to say it was like 2010, maybe, question mark? Um, I think it was prior to the Whitecaps time in Major League Soccer. It, it may have been 2011, so it would have been the same season. But I went to a match between the Galaxy and the Sounders um, on July the 4th, and it's absolutely nuts um, everywhere. Uh, I mean, every city, really, I think, across America, but... On that night in particular, absolute dud of a match, by the way. I think it was a scoreless draw, and David Beckham played, I think, 20 minutes of that game. But throughout the match, and it was a late game, too. I want to say it started at, like, after 8 o'clock, and there was just fireworks everywhere around the stadium at at all the communities in and around. I mean, if if you've gone there before, you know Carson is uh, nearby to, to Torrance, and if you keep going... Uh, I guess you're going west. You're going towards the beaches like Hermosa and Redondo, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and of course, Carson's not too far from Compton. But um, yeah, they really do it up in style. Um, I think they go a little bit further than we do on Canada Day. Just a bit of a guess. 
but it's quite something. So they had their, their mascot come in via parachute. They had fireworks galore. It looked like the smoke from the uh, Burns Bog fire. Hopefully more positive news to come there. But it seemed like all that smoke was there in Carson because all you had at the start of that match was smoke and confetti. And uh, it, it was it was quite the spectacle as uh, what they have. I think over 27,000 take in this match between the Caps and the Galaxy. A match where we found out, what, around an hour prior to that the Caps were not going to start Kakuta Mane. Oh, wait. They were not even going to have him on the bench. Oh, wow. Wow, Rabo, as I like to call you. Um, that was quite something, wasn't it? And, and for as much as Kakuta Mane has been inconsistent, and he has, and I've thrown it out there before, that Kakuta Mane, more of a question, has he plateaued? I mean, we've seen moments where, you know, and I've, I've wondered sometimes out loud and sometimes to myself, is there anything more to this guy? You know, is is it a scenario where maybe it's just time to to move on from him? You, you get moments with Kakuta Mane, and you get some game-changing moments, and then you run into moments where he's very indifferent. He doesn't track back well. He doesn't seem to be as committed. But again, you do have moments where he can score a couple of goals, um, or he can score a winner in another match. He's he's such a kind of a hit-and-miss player. And for as much as I have and a number of you out there on Twitter have crapped on Kakuta Mane, I look at a match like this and I think, probably should be in that 11. Now, the... News after the fact, and there was plenty of speculation, as you're well aware, prior to and during, was, well, what's going on? I mean, the, the transfer window opens up. Is he going to get moved? Now, Robbo and company afterwards saying, saying that's not the case, and um, he, I guess, you know, it, it was just be essentially being disciplined. Uh, he needed to take a step back and and have a watch and, and watch his teammates play and watch the check out the commitment level of his teammates now with all that said and i'm that's fine and dandy i suppose but when you when you know that in in the recent past here between the caps and the galaxy that kakuta mane has scored what three times in these matches now by no means am i saying kakuta mane is a la galaxy killer but he has contributed to uh, some good results for the Caps. Taking that into account, wouldn't you want to use him? And I mentioned it on on Twitter. Um, you know, if if this was kind of making a statement and throwing it out there at Kakuta Mane, I don't know if this was the right game to do so because of his history against the LA Galaxy. And again, he's not a guy who who. Has, has scored, what, nine goals in five games. It's nothing like that. It's nothing as crazy as that. But of all the caps that are on Whitecaps FC, Kakuta Mane has done extremely well. And you have to take history in, into account. If you listen to the previous edition of the podcast, as you certainly did, you you look back and, and at, at, at 
the history of the teams. And I mentioned, what, Germany, Italy on the last edition. But it goes right across the board in, in soccer. These, these stats, these numbers, they are, they're always relevant, they seem. And if you want to go down the road of Germany, Italy, well, Germany still didn't beat Italy technically, did they? Yes, they did in penalties, but not in 90 minutes, not in 120 minutes. So a simple stat like that continues. Anyways, off topic, but Kakuta Mane, considering, considering his numbers previously against the Galaxy, I don't know. For me, I'd, I'd use him. Am I Robbo? Certainly not. Uh, am I a coach with Whitecaps FC? Again, certainly not. But a bit of a head-scratcher uh, in my mind. Uh, also surprising was the fact that Nicholas Mosquita played. Not because I think Nicholas Mosquita is poor. I don't think that one bit. I, I've said it last time out. I've said it numerous times. You have to find... Um, you have to find space for him. You have to put him on the park. And I was just surprised that he actually got in, that he actually got the start. Was not pleased that he was then taken off for Blas Perez, which is another story. It's an ongoing storyline here for myself and, uh, and off the pitch is Blas Perez and the lack of time that he has received. It's, it's, I, I could leave it for later, but I might as well go into it now. I just do not get why Blas Perez, and, and we can just even look in uh, in this short term here, where Masato Kudo is hurt, where Octavio Rivero was, and I'm talking about just MLS matches, the three of them, Rivero was suspended for one, and now he's been on the shelf for two because this transfer is lingering, painfully lingering. I, I understand, and it makes perfect sense that you have to keep the player in question out, because guess what? If you play him, he gets hurt. Boom. Transfer ain't happening. I understand that. But, why the hell is this taking so long? Um, especially when you don't really have many reinforcements. But when I look at things, I see... Blas Perez. Now, is he a um, starting striker right across Major League Soccer? Okay, maybe he's not. I mean, he, it's not like he started every match last year at FC Dallas. Um, and we've seen him very much in a bit part role here in Vancouver. What, he's only started two matches for the Caps this season. And when he scored two goals in the other one, uh, via the Chicago Fire, well, that came off the bench. It seemed like he played an entire match, and he basically did because Masato Kudo picked up an injury relatively early in that one in, what, minute number 20, 23, something like that. Um, but I, I just cannot wrap my head around why Blas Perez is not getting the starts, is not getting the required minutes, uh, required in my mind. Um, we've had three matches here uh, for the Caps, and Blas Perez, that Blas Perez has been available for because, of course, he went away Copa America with Panama, scored a couple goals against Bolivia in their first uh, group stage match. So he's returned now uh, for three matches. That would include the New England Revolution, the Philadelphia Union, and now, uh, well, earlier this evening against the Los Angeles Galaxy. And maybe with that first one against New England, where the Caps fell 2-1, and then Perez did appear in that match, you could say, well, you know, 
he's been all over the continent at Copa America. Uh, maybe we're going to take it a little easy on him. This is the Caps talking, of course. And, and so they did. But, you know, we've gotten to the second match, the third match, and Eric Hurtado. Bless Eric Hurtado and his concrete feet. But who does he have photos of? I, I, I cannot understand the reasoning behind the fact that Eric Hurtado has started the past three straight matches. Yes, this guy has scored some goals in Major League Soccer. I th- what does he have? Five or six over the course of... And you have to include last year, too, because he spent a very minor portion of the year here before he went to Norway. But what has it been? Three, four years now with Eric Hurtado? And he's got five or six goals. And did he did he kind of pull some goals out of his ass in the past? Yeah, he did. And they were kind of stunners. But right now when you're watching this kid play, is he a kid anymore, by the way? Not sure. Um, but when you're watching him, do you see any goals coming from Eric Hurtado? Like, do you? Because, uh, and, and by... By no means, I'm not a I'm not a scout, I'm not a pro, but I don't. And I think there's a large number of people out there that do not see any final finish from Eric Hurtado. Yet over this over this run here, three consecutive starts, and this season, Hurtado has now played 463 minutes. A fine stat I put together. Uh, and I posted on Twitter after the match. 463 minutes. He started five matches, including the last three. Um, no goals. Has he contributed? And, I, and I've complimented him along the way. And th- again, this is not all on Eric Hurtado. This is more so a question about management and, and decision-making. And why? Wondering out loud, why are these moves or this move in particular, why is it taking place? Hurtado here with 463 minutes, no goals, starts his past three straight uh, matches. Blas Perez, 486 minutes. Eric Hurtado has essentially played as much time as Blas Perez this year. And yes, I get that Blas Perez is 35 years old. That is well documented. We understand that, folks. It's not a big deal. It's not. I mean, this is a guy who started, went 90-plus minutes in his first match at Copa America. Second match, who was it against? Argentina. Um, he leaves because I believe they had gone down a man, and they were on the verge of getting throttled by Argentina. He left that match, I believe, at 2-0, but he put in 70 minutes. And I understand club versus country it's uh, it's a different framework it's you know it's it's not the same thing but i'm just shocked when you have a guy in blas perez who has scored goals internationally who has scored goals relatively consistently in major league soccer yet he's losing his place to eric hurtado do they do different things sure but you know if if you're asking me to pick a guy to try to score at a crucial moment in match, I think 32 times out of 10, I'm picking Blas Perez. And we saw when he entered the match um, earlier tonight what he was able to do. I mean, he's he's such a, a crafty you-know-what, 
and he gets under the skin of Nigel de Jong in, in what, around the 71st, 72nd minute, and he kind of goes into him a little cheeky, a little hard, under the radar, but he gets under the skin of Nigel de Jong. 30, 40 seconds later, Nigel de Jong nearly breaks Blas Perez's leg, okay, or his ankle, um, and fortunately, Perez escapes. And then we saw the old yellow-red trick by the referee, probably got a hand from his, uh, from his assistant official there. But Blas Perez made the opposition take a red card, okay? I think back to other moments this year where Blas Perez has won fouls. Blas Perez uh, wins a penalty against the Seattle Sounders. He is such a smart player. And yes, he's up in years, um, but you know when I when I look at when I look at the line, and if you are to include Octavio Rivero, Masato Kudo, yes, one being transferred, one injured, Eric Hurtado, Blas Perez, I'm picking Blas Perez every minute of every day. And again, it's it's incredibly confusing to me why he hasn't gotten. Uh, a bigger role here. Why he hasn't gotten, uh, you know, that tap on the shoulder to to get into matches. And to add to that, when you look at the defending that the, and the defenders that the Galaxy had today, was it um, Leonardo, who has barely played this season, and Dave, don't call me Mitt Romney, and, and by all accounts, he may be related to Romney. I, don't, I hope that's a joke, but these guys have combined for i think in total 5 matches this season that's including substitute appearances and that's because van dam and cole both suspended for this match so the galaxy are having to shuffle things at the back so when in knowing that and in seeing that and and looking at the previous game logs of these defenders, again, not running this team, just questioning, why isn't Blas Perez getting a better look? For me, it's absolutely head-scratching and mind-boggling and other silly terms you can think of with just, in my opinion, lacking common sense. I just don't understand why Blas Perez is not getting a look. And then, again, I mentioned it before, but to top it all off, he enters the match, and who is who does he replace? Nicholas Mosquita. I, I, I don't get that. I just, I just don't get that because Mosquita covers so much ground. He presses high. Um, he actually has some skill. He can score off a free kick. He can deliver a good ball. He can head the ball well. Uh, we've seen what he's been able to do lately. He brings a lot of passion to the table. You saw how he broke down afterwards against TFC in the uh, Voyagers Cup last Wednesday. And he's removed. And, um, yeah, I, I just I, I don't com- entirely comprehend the situation and why Perez doesn't get a better look and, and you know, to push it one further, why Mesquita is the one who's who, who gets replaced? It's um, it's it's very very bizarre, and I'd like to think that Blas Perez might get a better look by Saturday. Uh, they have to use the guy, and you know, in this debate 
of Hurtado versus Perez, and I've already mentioned the fact that, you know, do you see Eric Hurtado scoring any goals? And, you know, when you look at what happened in that in the first half of that match, because, and let's be honest, I've sounded extremely negative. I've sounded, you know, pretty negative so far throughout the opening of this podcast. Uh, and it boils down to more questioning some of the decisions, some of the calls made, including Mane, uh, including Blas Perez. But there were some crucial chances in that in that opening half. Um, the Caps played on the whole for for this match. They actually played fairly well. I mean, they did. Yes, they lost two nil to ultimately a ten man L.A. Galaxy side, but they had chances. Who had those chances in that opening forty five? Um, uh, a guy who's known. I can't imagine to many, but to some, as e-money. Did he come up with that by himself, by the way? I, I, again, just just wondering out loud. Because he, he's simply not money around the net. There were some chances. That, and, and granted, I'm not saying it's as easy as, well, if you put Blas Perez there, he's going to score. But again, I think if you put Blas Perez in that situation, if he finds the space, he has a better shot than what Eric Hurtado was able to pull off, or in this case, not pull off uh, for the Caps. They had chances prior to that glorious Robbie Keane strike. They had chances after, and Eric Hurtado is simply unable to to score. He, that it, it's it, For me, it's as clear as day. Now, might he get the start against Colorado this Saturday and, and bag a goal or two? Of course he might. Uh, but but we, we've seen a decent little run here from Hurtado, three straight starts. Um, and, and yes, he, he definitely worked his way back in because there, there were some good substitution appearances, and I, I was the first to say it, uh, that he looked good. But here, he, here he's, he's been in a starting role. He, ha- he does work hard. He can hold up the ball. He played a good, uh, a good role in one of the goals against the Philadelphia Union. You give him credit for that. But in terms of actually scoring goals, I just don't see them coming through Eric Hurtado. Um, highly, highly concerning, in my opinion. And again, those chances at scoreless, at 1-0 down, some key misses from Hurtado. Um, you know, what, what you think could be... And, and <laughs> he's got to hit the target. That's the other thing. He has to put something on target and test the goalkeeper, in this case, Brian Rowe. He didn't do that. He's pushing it well over. He's scuffing his shot. Uh, he's missing the ball completely. Extremely unfortunate uh, for the Caps in this one, where, you know, knowing that the Galaxy were missing some players, uh, mentioned the guys on the, on the back end, uh, Gio Dos Santos, he, you know, he was held in check you know, the Caps did fairly well. Matias Laba did well on Nigel de Jong throughout that match. And they were simply unable to find really anything. And and Eric Hurtado was, I think, a guy who, who held them back, especially in that opening 45. Hey, have the Galaxy blocked another shot, by the way? Holy crap. The, the Caps put everything into the Galaxy's body, into the Galaxy's feet. Um... I mean that was that was 
something crazy to see. Um, when we talk about that goal that Robbie Keane scores, and it's it's a it's a fantastic goal. It's a beautiful strike, and he said as much afterwards. I think uh, Weber had the quote there, where Keane said, "Oh, well, they pay, well, That's what I get paid to do: score goals." And Weber had a little little cheeky comment like, "Wouldn't you want to? Don't you want to hear a cap uh, say that?" Um, very good question. But that goal came off. Well, poor defending, but even prior to that, just, let's be honest, brutal refereeing. And I'm, I'm not going to chalk it up all to that because what Robbie Keane did in, with, that, with that strike was phenomenal. But Andrew Jacobson, who is uh, fast becoming one of the best Whitecaps players this season, and I still think is their best central defender, uh, but he's playing in a central midfield role. He has the ball, and he gets great position on Nigel de Jong. Nigel de Jong, who we know what he's capable of doing, and I actually do like Nigel de Jong, by the way, but uh, Nigel de Jong goes into that challenge and flops, and that is simply a case of the referee seeing the LA Galaxy player and seeing the name on his back, and he sees de Jong, and he blows his whistle right away. And let's be honest, that was a crap call, because Jacobson gets position, and can go the other way. And there was nothing really greasy to that. Andrew Jacobson is not hes not a greasy player. He's not a dirty guy. And it's such a bad call in the end, and it sticks out for me because, yes, it's a free kick. The Galaxy play it around a bit. They completed a number of passes prior to that Robbie Keane goal. They had to do some work. They got some help, too, because Kendall Waston gave Robbie Keane acres of space. And Keane was able to uh, curl it past David Osted. But, I mean, that call was the centerpiece of it all. Because if that's not made, the Caps can go down the other way. Whatever happens, maybe a shot, maybe a corner, maybe it goes out for a throw. Who the hell knows? But that call shouldn't have been made. And again, the Galaxy certainly had to do some work in the build-up to that goal. They strung a bunch of passes together. And, uh, and, and again, you can't take anything away from Robbie Keane's strike. Um, and it was gorgeous. But just a brutal call uh, for the Caps there. You get to the start of that second 45, and yeah, yikes. A garbage start uh, as the Galaxy are able to get a goal off a set piece poor defending and it's such a dagger you know you're con- when you're conceding something the way you do that early in the second half yes there's a lot of time to make up for it but what a demoralizing moment for Whitecaps FC to uh, concede there in minute number 47 the way they did to be down two goals and I know a lot of people uh, a lot of people watching that match a lot of people checking things out commenting on Twitter, we're saying, well, lights out. I nearly went that route. Uh, but the, again, the caps for all those missed opportunities and some bizarre decisions and some questions, um, they, they played fairly well. I mean, there were chances to be had. I think the better ones came in the, in the opening 45. Um, but, you know, there was some fight in them. And I know, I mean, the stats are... When you look at things and you see Vancouver had 26 shots to LA's nine, I mean, that's that's a staggering total. 
But then when you look at shots oh, on goal, L.A. had five, so five of the nine. Vancouver, four shots on goal. There were a number misses. There were a number blocked. I mean, the blocked shots count for uh, the, the L.A. Galaxy was uh, absolutely stunning. Um, even corners, Vancouver 12 versus LA, L.A.'s 3. I mean, just some crazy numbers from this one. But, but the Caps were simply unable to capitalize. No pun intended. I want to punch myself for saying that. But it's true. They were unable to do that uh, throughout this match, even with Nigel DeYoung going off in the 74th minute. I mean, yes, 15-plus minutes. They got five minutes of stoppage time. Extra time, everyone. They had five minutes to work with there, so about 20 minutes in all, and and they couldn't find anything. I mean, at, towards the end of that match, it was all hands on deck for the Galaxy. You had nine guys back behind the ball, and they just put up a fortress, really, blocking uh, anything and everything, and, and not a whole lot got through to Brian Rowe. Um, I've mentioned Andrew Jacobson a lot on Twitter on this podcast. I've talked about how I think, you know, he's he's not entirely flashy, although we saw some nice footwork from him. And, you know, he saw a couple stepovers, and he was able to create some space and, and try to swing some balls into the area as he was playing in a, in a more advanced role. He had a great shot um, on target, you know, in that second half. Once Christian Tachera came in, he came in in the 71st for Eric Hurtado, and Tachera was caught in an offside position. I don't know... Uh, really what to say about Tachera and and I have mentioned the fact that you know if 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 you're a player a white caps player what you want to do in the off season is not uh come in a bit arrogantly and state how many goals you're going to score for the upcoming season we've seen it with Darren Maddox and probably some others but here's Christian Tachera, who I think stated he was going to score 15 goals. And, you know, it, it, each time you see him, and he's barely getting in now, but each time you see him, you're seeing he's a bit of a dud. He's a bit of a dud. And I think he was extremely lazy today, and there was, there's was there been talk that he came in out of shape, overweight, unfit. You know, he, he the, the move here permanent, he's getting more money. Oh, it's and and the value, the return on investment right now with regards to Christian Tachera, um, is simply not there, and that has to be a great concern here because, you know, at the start of the season, the Caps had to be looking in his direction for goals, and you know what have I spent so damn long on numerous podcasts about here has been. Well, up front, and granted, Tachera doesn't play up front, but he's able to contribute, or so you'd like to think. And the Caps are struggling with the likes of Hurtado, and not enough time, in my opinion, for Perez, and an injury to Kudo, and who the hell knows what with Octavio Rivero. Um, so the fact that Christian Tachera is unable to contribute there uh, is is really just killing the Caps. And again, it just looked like another going through the motions, lazy performance from Tachera. And he certainly has to find his feet here um, and, and quickly, and quickly, because with this, you know, transfer window opening up, 
Um, you know, and he hasn't seen a lot of the field of late. You know, what what's going to happen uh, to Tachera? I'm not suggesting or assuming he's going to be sent packing, but, you know, is does he have that motivation and desire to work his way back in and prove that, that he can be a factor for this white cap side? It's a big question for me. Um, you know, it's another edition of the program here, uh, off the pitch as you know it. Some of you call it OTP. And, you know, I, I, you know when you listen to this, you know that I like to talk Blas Perez and, you know, Kendall Waston, right? Um, he's, he's, a, he's a key figure. He's come up a lot lately. I was, I don't want to say all over him, I think, I, but I just, I, I, I put it on him. I think that's a Ja Rule song. Why do I know that? But I did throw it on him with regards to what happened in the, in the end of that match against Toronto last week. Um, David Osted, I still think, I think your medal's in the mail. I, I don't know why you took the blame for me. Not your fault. Kendall Waston, the off-balance header. And um, leading to that debacle, that mess at the end, we've seen some ridiculous plays, some bizarre decision making, and a lot of undisciplined and reckless play from Kendall Waston this season. And uh, hey, hey, everyone, did, did you have do you have the board where you keep a tally? You can add another one, and you know which play I'm talking about is with that late challenge on uh, the ever-so-greasy Alan Gordon, former Whitecap Alan Gordon, if you remember the expansion draft. Um, Waston goes in on him, and the referee doesn't pull a card out, remarkably. Um, it, it was definitely worth a yellow. I don't think he was deserving of a red on that. Uh, what happens next? When you know Is Disco going to come calling? I mean... Emma Disco has Kendall Waston's number on speed dial. Uh, you know, they pro- if they have that one of those one of those packages like friends and family, and you can pick five or ten numbers. Kendall Waston has to be near the top of that list. Like, let's be honest here. He has been in touch with Disco constantly throughout this season. Now, I think he could get another call. Now, I will say this. I just mentioned I thought it was probably a yellow. I don't know how you can now take that offense and give it a game. I, I just I that would be a ballsy move from Disco, but Waston is uh, really proof of him, you know, he's a repeat offender. I mean, you know, did he not hear David Osted? Did he not hear the final whistle in Portland? Um, was he just flat out reckless against the LA Galaxy and Alan Gordon late in that match? You look at that challenge, and I I know there's a there's a guy who's frustrated and and who wants to get the ball and who wants to push and try to get a goal, cut the uh, cut the gap and make it a two one match, um, and he he wants to keep this thing going, but he went in so late on Alan Gordon. And, uh, I mean, the way he just dug into him, I mean, that could have gone sideways um, so quickly and could have been so severe. And he was extremely lucky that um, 
well, Gore, he kind of missed Gordon. Uh, he didn't get all of Alan Gordon. And, and you know what? I, he's probably fortunate, too, that Alan Gordon didn't sell it. Alan Gordon wasn't all over the pitch flopping around, um, you know, going, going for the old log roll. He was very lucky that Gordon did not go that route. Because if that happens, obviously more attention is drawn, and then you're certainly going to see a card. Uh, I, again, I don't think it was probably worth the red, but it was definitely a yellow card. And I'm just curious to see here what's going to happen with Disco and whether or not um, he gets a call, if it's a fine, if it's a su- suspension. I said on Twitter it wouldn't surprise me if he got suspended. You know, I think about it again now. That's a pretty harsh move to take because um, it looked like a yellow to me. Nothing was called, and all of a sudden you're going to go and and ban a guy for a match. But crazier crazier things have happened, haven't they? With with uh, the the discipline committee that is Disco. I mean. Uh, it, it could very well happen, and uh, Kendall Waston could be out one more time. Hey, that makes space in the back line for for Andrew Jacobson, doesn't it? Um, what a what a bizarre season! What a difficult season it's been for Kendall Waston so far. That De Jong foul, by the way, I, I know there was some talk afterwards. Robbo was asked, "Oh, you know, is he deserving of a long long suspension?" I really don't think so. I think you know it was. It wasn't a it wasn't a sweet looking challenge. We can say that much, um, but you know if if it's if it's one match, it's probably enough. I I, I don't think it's it's anything where uh, people should be screaming bloody murder. I I don't think it's what was it De Jong on Darlington Nagby earlier this season. You know I, I don't think we have to uh, open up the old murder case again against against Nigel De Jong. Um, ugly tackle. He was red carded. Um, for a second, he was yellow carded, but he did receive a red card. And, you know, in terms of additional matches for me, not required. I, I, I think, I think if he gets his one, that should be, um, that should be enough and, and move on. And, and Nigel DeYoung can try to break some more legs, uh, uh, down the road here. Hey guys, is David Osted ever going to get a clean sheet? Just curious, asking for a friend, um, tough season for him. You know, even when you look back at, at, at last week against Toronto, uh, where he was moments away from a clean sheet, this guy simply cannot get a clean sheet. Uh, his back line cannot help him enough. They've they've conceded goals like it's going out of style. Uh, it has been a uh, it has been a, a rough season for some of the midfield and and that back line for for Vancouver Whitecaps FC. A uh, a pretty decent sized tilt. Coming up this Saturday. Next podcast, by the way, uh, we'll do Sunday. Why not? Um, so that will be post-Euro and, and, and post-Whitecaps Colorado Rapids. Now featuring Tim Howard, everyone, who made his first appearance, appearance uh, earlier tonight. And uh, what, Colorado uh, were held, I believe? Scoreless draw? That sounds about right? Question mark? Yeah, scoreless draw against the Portland Timbers uh, earlier Monday night. So uh, Colorado comes to town. Um, you have Jermaine Jones. You have Tim Howard. You've you got some other names on that squad. Uh, but Colorado, second in the Western Conference, but uh, best in the league when it comes to points per game. 
as they're nearly averaging two points a game. They've got 33 points from 17 matches, and uh, you can argue that uh, Colorado has been one of the surprises of this uh, MLS season. Off the pitch, by the way, by the way, uh, it's brought to you by Milano Coffee on Denman in Vancouver. It's on the corner of Denman and Harrow, serving award-winning espressos, homemade gelato. For more information, check out their website, milanocoffee.ca. Give them a follow on the old tweet machine at Milano Denman. Milano Coffee, West Coast heart, Italian soul. Whew. It's break time. I'm going to wrap it all up on the other side. We're going to talk some uh, some Euro to close things out. Off the pitch, sake. Nearly set to uh, wrap up another edition here of Off the Pitch, the podcast. I'm Mike Martinego. Thanks for listening. Appreciate it. I'm on Twitter, at Mike Martinego. You know this. You went through my Twitter feed to find the damn podcast. Why am I doing this to you? Uh, I'm on soundcloud.com slash offthepitchtheprovince.com as well. As I mentioned, follow me on Twitter iTunes is coming, folks. I so promise. I I swear. I swear to God, it's going to be there. Um, OTP brought to you by our friends at Pacific Meridian Mechanical. If you want great service done right, well, check them out. Pacific Meridian Mechanical, full service mechanical team that has you covered: plumbing, heating, gas, from the initial design to the finishing touch. Pacific Meridian Mechanical oversees your project and ensures that every aspect is handled right. Check out their website, meridianplumbing.ca, or give them a call, 778-227-8219. EuroTalk, in a matter of moments, and again, it's probably where I, the portion where I just cry for a long period of time. Um, I've talked about this cap schedule for a while now. And they stay in the time zone uh, with a match against TFC, won but lost. They go to L.A., still the time zone, short flight, two and a half, three hours away, lost. Three straight matches at home, big league matches as well. This Saturday, when they host the Colorado Rapids, then a Wednesday tilt against RSL, and then Saturday the 16th, home one more time against Orlando City Sake Club. Um, oh yeah, then they got that other match, the old friendship match against uh, Crystal Palace on Tuesday, July nineteenth. Again, I, I don't have the. Uh, I, I'm not tweeting as we speak, but I kind of I'm doing that tweet using all like the the sticks and such, and I'm kind of going meh, like with my hands raised. I I don't know. I'm not even going to be in town for that match. I I have I don't really care for that one. Uh, as who knows who Crystal Palace is uh, bringing through here. They got a number of players actually still uh, in Euro with uh, you know a couple of players on the French side, the Welsh side as well. So uh, I can't imagine they're going to come through Vancouver and bring uh, the finest players around. But Jason Punchin will be there. He will be there, um, as I've already seen him plug some of the the excitement that Crystal Palace is... is uh, 
feeling right now as they come through America and Canada. It's 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 usually just America, but they did remember uh, the whole Canada portion. Euro 2016. We're down to the final four. Again, I'll try not to get too emotional, but it's extremely tough after uh, uh, what happened to my Italians against Germany on Saturday and, and watching afterwards John Luigi Buffon um, cry as he exits the pitch and uh, Andrea Barzagli uh, crying afterwards. Um, let's not kid ourselves. I, I you know I, I, I like to see things from a neutral perspective. Yes, I am very much Italian. Yes, I was hoping, cheering, pushing, praying for the Italian team to win. But as I just mentioned, let's be honest, Germany had and has the better team. There is no doubt about that. They were better through the 120 minutes. Um, I don't want to say that Italy was fortunate to equalize. I mean, that's just stupidity from Jerome Boateng to have his hands high up in the air like he was trying to block a shot in basketball. Um, But some good you know, strength and fortitude and will for the Italians to uh, get that equalizer because they were on their heels there. There was a good five, seven-minute spell after Mesut Ozil made it 1-0 where, you know, it, it, floodgates could have opened and Buffon made a terrific stop, very underrated stop off uh, Mario Gomez. And, you know, Italy were able to find their feet, push forward. They got the penalty, you know, after that, there wasn't a lot. I think, you know, Germany, again, the better side. But chances, for the most part, were were few and far. The thing that stings, definitely, though, for, for me, and I think for the Italian supporter, was the fact that, and I, I, have, I have looked at it 30 different times now, the ball, um, it's a terrible cliche, but the ball was entirely in Italy's court. In penalties, uh, when you look at how they were shaking down through three kicks, Italy is up two-one, uh, and that's that's I, I'm I'm glossing over Simone Zaza's miss. Yes, oh the funny run-up, <laughs> and yes, I I will be the first to admit there were some funny clips that you know <laughs> that were posted afterwards. I think I retweeted some of them myself, um, but you know what? You know, I've seen guys playing recreationally do stuff like that, and, and and usually you hit the net. And Zaza's probably done that numerous times in training. Um, did it look funny? Sure, but you can still gloss over his miss because through three kicks, Italy has a two-one advantage, and Graziano Pelle, who was outstanding for Italy in the entire tournament, he put in some terrific performances uh, in the matches, in particular against Belgium, against Spain. He did extremely well. I'm not throwing it all on him because, again, ultimately, I think the right team went through. It would have been something if Italy were to do it, but Pelé's miss on the fourth kick, and, you know, a little mind, mind games there with Manuel Neuer, and he's talking how he's going to do the panenka, which is something he loves to do. And he then goes bottom corner 
and it was an awful kick. And even if he hit the target, Neuer had it covered. It was just brutal. And that's when the door opened. Because if Pelé scores there, it's 3-1. And let's just say Germany scores. It's 3-2. Now you get to Italy's final kick, which was Leonardo Bonucci, who we know misses. Uh, but if if it's 3-2 and then you have Bonucci, things are different. He buries it, it's game over. Or, in this case, he misses. Well, Bastian Schweinsteiger missed for Germany. Italy would have won 3-2. So, yeah, I've pretty much positioned it. Like, I'm throwing it all on Graziano Pelé. And I'm not trying to do that because, again, he put in some terrific uh, performances. And I think his stock has risen from this tournament now, you know, there's some speculation that he might go to a big side in Italy. Uh, he may, Antonio Conte, who's off to Chelsea now, he's apparently, it's all rumor, of course, but he's apparently interested. You know, he may reunite with Ronald Koeman, who took the job at Everton. So uh, Pelé could be off to some bigger and better things, but that miss, absolutely pivotal. It was a crucial miss in the grand scheme there. Uh, Germany goes through the Sunday match. And again, you already know what happened here with uh, France and Iceland and uh, the Cinderella story comes to an end. I said it before and you have to acknowledge what Iceland was able to do. And I wasn't trying to take anything away from them in the, in the, on the previous show. when I said, I mean, England should have beaten them. I mean, on paper, England should have beaten them and France should beat Iceland as well. Is Iceland a growing, developing soccer nation? Absolutely. You know, if, they, if this continues, they're going to be right there and pushing on just like this Wales team that we've seen uh, so far at Euro 2016. But, you know, it, it had to come to an end much sooner than later in France. The hosts were able to do that. 5-2 victory. I think the shock was the 4-0 beatdown through the first 45 minutes. You know, this this road that the hosts have received so far is very, very amusing. Uh, and I don't mean that in a backhanded way, but when you see the group and they go through with a couple victories and a draw against the Swiss, and then you look at their knockout matches, Ireland, Iceland. Okay, that's not a lot to write home about. There's going, They're going to have a massive test on their hands when they take on Germany. Yes, there are some injury concerns, for Germany, there are some suspensions as well. So, you know, France definitely with the better hope. But I do wonder, just because they haven't really seen any big powers along the way here. And they haven't been truly tested. Uh, but they'll have the home crowd on their side. And I guess it'll be the first time that these two uh, hook up since the bombings and the attacks in Paris that, uh, that took place last uh, November. So uh, they, of course, uh, France and Germany had a friendly, and that's when everything went down on that uh, on that Friday afternoon, afternoon our time anyways, and uh, evening, Friday evening in Paris, those uh, terrible scenes that we all saw. Uh, those two powers hooking up on Thursday, Portugal v. Wales on Wednesday. Wales without Aaron Ramsey, I, I won't count them out. Uh, Portugal, of course, the funny stat of them going this far without having won a match in 90 minutes yet. 
there's always something silly like this that happens in tournaments. This one is, for me, is extremely tough to call, I would say, uh, just because while Portugal has gotten this far, I think early on in the competition, they created a lot of chances. They did a lot of good things, but simply couldn't score and had their difficulties against the likes of Iceland and, and Hungary. Granted, they scored three times, but they couldn't get past them. They couldn't get the three points. They had difficulties against Austria as well. And here we've got to the knockout stage. And they haven't been glamorous and joyous to watch uh, in that match against Croatia. And the uh, same can be said against for that match against Poland as well. So, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see. The 3-5-2 has been a very, very interesting formation in this tournament. Italy pulled it off to great success against both Belgium and Spain. Italy was then complimented very very nicely uh, by Germany as they adjusted and also played a similar formation uh, to really you know neutralize the Italians and the Welsh have, have done extremely well using that 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 breakdown that formation as we saw what they did against Belgium in the quarterfinals so very very curious to see what what uh, Wales can do here uh, against a side that uh, has to be more than just uh, Cristiano Ronaldo. Oh boy, I am I am so done. I am tired. I have to put this Miller High Life down uh, for this special Independence Day edition of uh, OTP. Thanks so much for checking me out. What? Thanks for listening. Of course, on Twitter, at Mike Martinego, on SoundCloud.com slash OffThePitch. I'm at TheProvince.com as well. You can find... Uh, a little post all the audio there do it again next sunday post euro post whitecaps fc colorado rapids thanks again for listening talk to you soon off the bench.